So on this particular podcast, and we'll call it a baseball podcast, I suppose, we've got Mick Slanowski, Tony Ambrosio, and Chris Henderson. Roundtable format here. Gentlemen, I've gathered you together because I'm having a really difficult time reconciling what's happened this past week with Major League Baseball. And all three of you know me reasonably well. We've had discussions, we've engaged narratives on the subject of what's wrong with baseball. And I I knew that we were going to have plenty to discuss this year because of the report that came out at the end of last year that Major League Baseball was making record amounts of revenue, even though their attendance was dwindling. I think now 12 of the last 13 years. And, And you know a business has gone to rot when your customer base is falling, but you're making more profit than ever before. Now this scandal comes out. And it's not just a matter of fairness and ethicality, but it makes me wonder out loud, can baseball recover from this? And have they taken early steps to do so properly? I want to start this off with you, Tony. What are your thoughts about this? And and Mick and, and uh, Chris, feel free to jump in at any time. Will baseball survive this or is it just broken? You know, I think baseball survived the Pete Rose scandal. Baseball survived the steroid era. Um, I think baseball will survive this. But the other part of your question, is baseball broken? Yes. Uh, It's been broken for years when you only have a third of the teams who try to win. When you only have a third of the teams that care about putting a good, solid winning product on the field. So baseball's been broken for a long, long time, but somehow they continue to make money, as you say. So I think baseball will overcome this. But I got to tell you, this is going to be a talking point. My goodness, all spring training, all into the early portion of April and May. And uh, and I think it's great people are talking about baseball, but not necessarily talking about this. Well, you know, and I, I, just to follow up on what Tony's saying, I think baseball will recover from it, but it's the it's the purity of the game. I think for the purists that want to see it as uh, you know, a sport that that's, has a lot of history and you have to play it the right way. I mean, through the steroid era and all that, it, it just there was so much that you, you can't believe that the game is played fairly, right? And I don't think it's any surprise that anyone was stealing signs. And I think the, the analysis in the media and the feeding frenzy that we're seeing is really what's the right response to this type of cheating. And, you know, I don't know if I'm satisfied that uh, a couple of managers got got <clears throat> nicked with this. I think there's some some players that have to face consequences, too. And I don't think the investigation is going to end. And, you know, there's you know, when, when you look at um, the sport, it's not they're not the only league that has these has these sort of scandals like the NFL had it with uh, the New England Patriots along the way. And mm. it's like, well, how do you how do you maintain a competitive balance? And when people are trying and there's so much money at stake and they're trying so hard to find that little edge to get themselves ahead. And it's just it's the nobility and the narrative of sport where, you know, the athletes are playing it and there's integrity to the game. And I think that speaks to Tony's point about the game being broken. And there's only a third of the teams really competing. And whether that's because of payroll issues or big market versus small market games, they they haven't found a way to um, even the scales. And this is just symptomatic of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really add a whole lot more than what I think you guys covered a lot of the things that I was thinking about. I totally agree. I do think baseball will recover. And if anything, in a sad, sadistic way, there's almost more interest right now in baseball yeah. than it maybe would be for a for, You know, I've had my buddies texting me and asking me questions about this over the last few days that probably normally wouldn't care about baseball this time of year. So I do think that it will recover. But I totally agree with you, Tony, that, uh, that there's a problem, especially if, exactly what you said, that the fact that there's only a third of teams that are competing 
you look at what the Blue Jays have done this uh, offseason, for example, and suddenly there's an outside chance that a 67-win team could could be a wild-card contender. I mean, they're probably a year away, but they've done enough where they're more competitive than half the league, and you just kind of shake your head that uh, that sort of thing can even happen. And did anyone else feel, I mean, this is just a side point. I know you have to, there's a rush to condemn uh, the system that was in place. But I still think it's hard to hit a baseball, despite all banging on drums and electric <laughs> yeah. buzzers or whatever was going on. It's like, you know, there's an element of me. It's like you still have to go and hit like a pitch coming at you 100 you know, miles an hour. Right. And yeah. uh, so how much advantage do you really get? You know, it's, just, I, it's, the, it's the appearance of it. Right? Yeah. And you know what? I totally agree with that. But I also loved one thing that Alex Wood said. I'm sure you guys probably saw his tweet. And he said, I'd rather face a guy that's on steroids yep. than a guy that knows what pitch is coming. And, you know, and that's, uh, I think that's a more than fair comment. I mean, not that I'm a professional pitcher, but I, I think if I had the opportunity to choose the two, I'd go with Alex's uh, opinion as well. And you look at some of the highlights that have been scrutinized here, like the the home run that Gurriel hits on an inside fastball that he, I mean, if he didn't know what was coming, you'd think he'd be bailing out on a pitch like that. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you could tell me what's coming all day long and I still wouldn't hit home runs against these guys. But um, when a guy like, <laughs> when a guy like Jose Aldouve knows the fastball's coming, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I don't know. It's such a hard thing to quantify. And you look at the splits, the road and home splits for Altuve and Kershaw in the 2017 World Series. I mean, right away, you know, you raise your eyebrows, you kind of tilt your head thinking something isn't right. And then you see the video, obviously, we go back to Altuve's reaction to his big home run off Chapman, don't take off my shirt. Goes into the locker room, comes back out. I mean, like, it's, it's just all these, all, there's too many things adding up here that tell me that what is being reported and what we're hearing is truthful and that I think it might be bigger than even we have heard about to this point. And I think that's what would worry me because I know you guys have used the word purity and the, and the purity of the game. That's what worried me if I'm an old school baseball aficionado thinking how pure is this game that of all the sports out there, you know, no steroids, no drugs, only steal signs the old fashioned ways with your eyes and, and figuring things out, you know, that this, this game has got a lot of issues and I, I, it just, it just, it frustrates me as a baseball fan that this is coming out now because spring training is supposed to be the, the time of hope and positivity and everybody's got a chance to win. And all we will be talking about is this scandal. It's a time when you want to believe in players like Jose Altuve, right? I mean, Altuve was a success story being a diminutive player. And we all like the diminutive player. We love the underdog who doesn't look like he's outfitted to be an elite player. And he ends up winning the MVP. But as you said, Tony, this is a sport of analytics and statistics and understanding patterns, trends, and studying them in a way to improve the game. And when you see the proof in the pudding where Jose uh, Altuve ends up hitting 211 on the road as opposed to 379 at home, it's basically worse than Coors Field. You know, Larry Walker's been in the Twitter sphere recently because of his attempts to try to get to the Hall of Fame. I personally think anyone who played more than half their career in Coors Field has no business stepping into the Hall of Fame. Your numbers are just twisted. They're not realistic to what a balanced baseball experience should be. But I want to ask you this, Chris, when you when you think about the purity of the game, how can you ever look at some of your players again, knowing that some of them 
could have been cheaters. I mean, Carlos Beltran was an extremely respected figure before this, and now his career has basically gone to the pits, and he's likely never to make it to the Hall of Fame because he'll be known as one of the biggest cheats. How, how do you address that conundrum for a fan Sorry. who wants to believe Sorry. in a player? Yeah, I'm still caught up on that statement you just made about Larry Walker there. I, I don't know, man. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> Maybe that's a separate round table. The, the point I'm trying to make and illustrate is that it's far easier to look at the candidates who had a balanced playing career in, in all circumstances. And I guess seeing Altuve hit 211 or seeing Walker's splits when he was away from home, it's unfortunate, right? Because it stimulates the conversation and makes us ask the question, is this a player worthy of the Hall? Uh, I don't want to argue with Larry because I do think he probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But it would help if he didn't end up having those gouty splits the way now Altuve has. How do you address that when it oh, comes sure. to the purity of the game? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I'm just giving you a hard time. I of mean, course you are. Can, I would expect nothing less. Uh, we can certainly uh, <laughs> spend an hour debating that, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, you know what? And, and that's the unfortunate thing is that you, you hit the nail on the head for me too there. I mean, I was a fan of Altuve without liking the Astros. I was a fan of a guy like that. And Beltran's been a player that I've cheered for at different times throughout his career too. And and you're right. I mean, it, it taints the way that they, I look at them and, and will forever look at them. And I'm sure that baseball, I mean, if Pete Rose uh, hasn't been forgiven at this point, then I have a hard time believing that uh, somebody, you know, down the road like Beltran will be seriously considered. And you know what? Fair enough. Like, as far as I'm concerned, you know, people sit here and go, oh, this guy deserves this guy, this guy deserves that. It's the freaking Hall of Fame. Nobody deserves it. It's reserved for the those that are held to the highest standard. And, and sure, there's people that are in there that, that aren't uh, maybe morally that wouldn't be held to that same moral standard today. But uh, I mean, if you're a cheater, I don't, I don't think he doesn't belong in all fame. That's as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Well, you know, and there, there's two points that occur to me when, you know, out of this scandal as well. One is, you know, will they outside of how they're perceived, how will the Astros or Altuve, you know, how will they fit in the villain role? Because now rather than being celebrated and, you know, and, and they may not have been the most popular team anyway, but they were really effective. But then from a psychological standpoint, when you sort of have this, the world is against me, or can I prove myself that I can still do it without all these, um, you know, the theoretical advantages that you were getting? Um, is it going to get into their head? Or are they going to fall apart in the years ahead? But, you know, and the other part that stuns me out of the whole scandal is how did anyone expect that the story wouldn't get out? When you put 40 people hmm. in a room, like the only crime that you can get away with is that when there's no witnesses, right? And, and as soon as you start bringing other people in, it's inevitable that one person will be disgruntled enough to tell some other team the, you know, what's in the sausage, right? And you yeah. can't get away. You can't get away with doing these things. And so the, the hubris, I think, of this group to say, let's do this, and it'll just be our secret going forward, and it will never leak out in the years ahead, right? It's just, um, it, it shows a lack of awareness or, I guess, just a, um, an arrogance that is, is staggering. And I still... You still wonder if the, the punishment was appropriate. I don't know what you guys think about that, but it still seems light to me what they did. Well, and if we're talking about certain personalities who've felt disgruntled or or need to disclose, I wish it weren't the Trevor Bowers of the world. You know, I wish it weren't <laughs> I wish it weren't the Jack McDowells of the world who are trying to now implicate Tony LaRussa. And you know, you just wish that some of these whistleblowers wouldn't have a spotty, you know, mental health issue in their own right sometimes. We all know that McDowell was a, was a fierce competitor, but he was also a really crazy man, really unpredictable, uh, always belligerent. And, and so it's interesting that you brought up the point 
uh, of whether or not the punishment fits the crime. How I, I want to ask you this, Tony, how do you come up with the right punishment sort of short of taking away the World Series from the Houston Astros? Because we now know that not only did, was the cheating rampant in 2017, but because other clubs had heard through the grapevine that it was such a nice model of success to basically destroy a sport the way they have, we now know that it could be eight to ten different franchises. In fact, we now also know that the rumored man in white that used to feed so-called allegedly feed information to Blue Jays hitter was probably real. That explains why the Blue Jays hit so well at the Sky Dome, not just because it's a great place to hit home runs, but because you probably know every third pitch is going to be a fastball mysteriously. How do you punish players? How do you how do you rehabilitate a sport that, to me, is going to struggle enormously as a credible option for fans who might start saying to themselves, what's the point of following my favorite player in this game if I know he's a stone-cold cheat? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I was going to say it's the million-dollar question, but I should maybe update that and say it's the billion-dollar question. I'm not sure what is yeah. the proper punishment. You know, Mike Clevenger today, I saw on Twitter had a really uh, fair argument about how about all those middling pitchers, those middle-of-the-road pitchers who went into a series in Houston hoping to stick in the big leagues and then got torched and are sent down to the minors and never to have a chance again at the big leagues. I mean, who many, who knows how many pitchers of that ilk are in that situation because of what happened pitching in Houston trying to make an impression for their big league club. And if you don't give the players immunity to testify to Major League Baseball, would we have found out as much as we did from this investigation? So I'm not sure what the punishment is. I don't know what you can do, but I will say this. I mean, you know, for the Alice Coras, the A.J. Hinches, and the Carlos Beltrans, they may not manage again in the big leagues. But baseball being baseball, I can see them coming back in a coaching capacity somewhere down the road. Because Mark McGuire was a coach. Barry Bonds was a hitting coach. These are guys who have long had major issues as far as their status with Major League Baseball. And while they may not be managers, they're involved in the game today. So, you know, time heals all. And I think those three that I mentioned will be back in baseball. But as far as what's the proper punishment, I honestly don't know. You give a $5 million fine to a multi-billion dollar organization. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. What does that do? Nothing. Well, how did no player get suspended? I know that the union's powerful and there's like labor issues, but realistically, shouldn't some of the players also hold the bag for participating in it? I know the management may have facilitated the whole process, but um, yeah. that's that's the well, other I, part I, where I, players I, are not disincentivized. There's an incentive to say, well, we yeah. don't get punished. You know, our legacy is tarnished. But, you know, in the meantime, yeah. I've got I got the big contract. So what does it matter? I got a guaranteed, you know, three hundred million dollar contract. It was a win for you. Right. Well, it makes me wonder. You know, and because I agree with you guys. I mean, if it were up to me, uh, based on what we know right now, I mean, I'd be coming down with some severe punishments for, for Bregman and for Altuve. But I think the problem, this is just me speculating. My guess is that the cheating was rampant enough that they went, well, we can't suspend the entire Astros team. or And should do we just suspend the entire offense because they benefited from this? Or, or do we suspend the pitchers because some of them knew? Or do we... You know, like, I think it's it probably comes down to sheer volume of guys. Like, you can't necessarily cancel the Astros season. However, knowing what we know right now, 
like, or I shouldn't say knowing, but based on speculation, I mean, if they prove that, that Altuve and Bragman were wearing these buzzers, who are up to, like, if it's up to me, maybe it sounds harsh, I'd ban him for life. Like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff has no business in baseball. I mean, sure, yeah, it, 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 cheating has been, they're, you know, they're finding more and more speculation that it's more widespread than, than they ever hoped or that, you know, it's kind of a nightmare at this point. But as far as, like, actually wearing buzzers, I, as far as I'm concerned, they're done. Like, that's the way I would handle it if it were up to me. Well, it, certainly, pro- it would send the right message, wouldn't it, Mick? Well, it would, and I think that you... And you wonder, I guess, in terms of trying to keep it as balanced as you can, who's doing the investigation? Is it sort of an internal league-run one, or do they have to get to the point where you hire some independent law firm and you try to make it arm's length and they can really get all access and dig into it and see what they can unearth? Because the the league has some incentive to try to say, well, we caught it all. There's nothing more to see here. Everyone knows now. Let's just keep going forward, right? And and if you want to be fair, you can't ban somebody for life just on speculation. You've got to get some hard mm-hmm. evidence. Or you've got to get some of these other players to, you know, people have to be um, sort of make fulsome disclosure, right? You have to go in and say, talk to Beltran and say, you know, you have to spill the beans. If you ever want, if you ever want to be back in the game, we need full and honest disclosure. If we catch you in some lie, then, you know, um, that will certainly be the end of you, right? And, I mean... Yeah, it's right now. You may not get a fair trial. It's you know without getting into politics. You you look at what's going on with Trump and how they're trying to do everything there. You know the evidence doesn't always come out in a balanced way, and there's a lot of a lot of positioning. But you feel like they have to do it the right way, and they haven't committed to do that. It's just here's a nine-page memo. We did our internal report. Nothing more to see here. Let's move on, right? And and I think there's more things are dribbling out now as people are uh, in dribs and drabs and getting a bigger a bigger story exposed, right? Yeah. And it's funny because if you're Jose Altuve, I think you can, and I hate to say this, but you can probably look back and say, this is all worth it. I got a big money contract. Mm-hmm. I got a World Series ring. I probably have a bunch of endorsements because I won a World Series. I mean, I don't even, and I go back to your point, Ari. I'm not sure there is enough punishment that will actually fit the crime. Outside of, and I think Chris said this, to ban them for life. And that is going to be. A very hard thing to do. Well, I think it's all about taking decisive action, isn't it? And that's something that's been lacking with this sport for decades. I mean, let's not forget the history. Let's not forget the decisive action that needed to be taken in 1919 with the Black Sox scandal. So, you know, one can argue that it was overkill because it cost the careers of legendary players like Shoeless Joe Jackson, even though it was proven that he clearly didn't throw the series. He had 364 in the World Series. Who throws a series by hitting 364? But it was necessary to set an example to make sure that no franchise ever considered doing that again. And, and, and baseball is not unfamiliar to these hurdles of social, cultural, um, game philosophy, whether it was the, the, the Jackie Robinson crusade and the civil rights movement, whether it was Kurt Flood getting his free agent rights with Marvin Miller and the, the inception of real player representation and a chance to earn what they deserve and not have the owners take advantage of them whether it was having to deal with with cocaine and other drugs that were in the sport in the 80s, and then, of course, the PEDs and steroids, which were never properly addressed. All four of us here know that it's just a matter of time before someone who was suspected of using drugs uh, extensively, like uh, a Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens, makes it into the Hall of Fame. You know, Harold Baines can't be alone in his dubious placement in the Hall. they got to add other controversial elements. But lately... Lately, it just seems like between the greed, the hubris, 
the fact that their domestic abuse policy is an unmitigated, colossal failure out of all the sports, more than maybe short of maybe the NFL when it comes to how they address the social conscience of what the fans deserve. Now you throw in this, and my question to you is, Chris, where does the league really go from here? And and no matter what they what they issue as a, a form of punishment, will it be enough to prevent this landslide of a sport that's just fallen into disrepute? It's not what it used to be. This is supposed to be the national pastime. Apple pie, you know, Babe Ruth. It doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like a really greedy, gutless sport. Am I wrong in feeling this? Uh, well, no. I mean, I know exactly where you're coming from, and I think that just comes from a lifetime of being a baseball fan. The, you know, the reality in today's marketing world is that they're not necessarily marketing to you and I. And so who knows? It, maybe maybe they'll actually start using Mike Trout as a proper marketing tool for, for the league. Maybe that's the answer for how they move on from oh, this. Oh, God but, forbid. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think, you know, touching on some of the other stuff that we've done before, I think they just, I think they have to, the more, if this story continues to develop the way that it has been in the last few days, then I think they do have to take the punishments a little further. And whether that means, you know, I don't, as much as I think that, they, that banning somebody for life would be maybe the right way to go, uh, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think that, that there's going to come a point where they need to hold some players accountable. Um, and it, it, one, th one thing I did want to point out, too, with just the comments with what's happened on social media is is it is laughable when you talk about the domestic uh, abuse stuff. You know, Aralus Chapman is uh, tweeting and, and, you know, taking shots at these guys, and, and I couldn't mm. help it. There was somebody that oh. follows me that... Uh, that uh, retweeted his tweet and said, hey, uh, you know, I feel like guys like you should probably stand down on this. And I just kind of shook my head and went, wow, this is kind of a weird place the league is in where Aroldis Chapman is sitting on a soapbox. But okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they just hope that, that they, I think they just try to move on. But I think they're going to have to do something more than what they've done. It, as far as I was saying, it goes back to suspending players. I mean, it, yeah, it's, but I, Man, this is a tough one because, I mean, the players might argue that they were coerced and they were, I don't know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. How's and you that? mentioned the union. How's that we for mentioned... intelligent conversation? No, no, but the yeah. truth is, I, I think we're all blocked by the reality of their union, which is all powerful. You know, yeah. Mick, you asked earlier, why hasn't a player been suspended? You know, the MLBPA is a powerful force to be reckoned with. It may be losing its power under the Tony Clark regime because clearly they're very close to striking, I think. It's just a matter of time before they realize that they're losing more and more of their collateral free agent strength in this new era of baseball. Maybe, I don't know, Mick, do you think maybe this was an example of players older who are aging looking for that edge at all costs? I mean, where do you think the genesis of this came from? Like in the sense that we know that sign stealing was part of the tradition of baseball, but it was always done in a way that you remember when you were like a 13-year-old kid playing on the sandlot and you were trying to see what the runner, what the uh, the runner in second, whether he was looking in to see whether the catcher was calling a fastball or curveball. What do you think prompted this level of just real brazen cheating was it the technology was it the mindset we live in today was it the notion that we got to get we got to get all the goods before before you can't get it anymore because the goose might stop one day what is it you know well just in my view i think there's it's layered i mean there's so much money at play that success is obviously really important and and you have a bunch of super competitive people that are looking for any advantage and then, but they're also enabled. I mean, I, I heard on other uh, on other platforms that you know 
there's a TV screen in the dugout. So, you know, that's a bit of a start of a problem because all of this was made possible because of the video replay process and the fact that the technology is there, right? And you figure if the technology is there, and, and maybe I'm, um, I'm too new age, but, you know, the idea that there's still signals that the catcher's sending, and, and you could look at football and everyone's got earpieces in and the helmet, you figure there must be some other way to communicate signs that don't even have any, symbol, any, any hand uh, signals going off from the catcher. You could have the manager calling the pitches from the back room in the dugout and no one knows what the sign is. But you know, there's other ways to adapt to prevent this problem of people trying to steal signs. But the game is slow to evolve in other ways and say that you know, we could avoid some of these problems by not putting the TV by the dugout, by maybe allowing people to wear earpieces to call the game differently. And then there'll be no concern about it. And you know, that might not be a popular idea, but there's always a solution to a problem. And if, you, if you're worried about a competitive advantage, maybe you start looking for other alternatives that don't allow people to do it because you know, when we're watching the game on TV, we can see it. I, I don't know what the call is, but I see the pitcher, you know, the catcher doing a lot of signals in, in the background and you have some idea whether it's inside or outside or, you know, which number is the pitch, right? So you, they have to make an adjustment if they want to get some confidence back that, um, you know, this can happen again because of the technology or, you know, Apple watches or other wearable technology that people can use. And exploit. And it all comes because there's a camera showing the catcher giving the signs. You mentioned the Apple Watch. So and it's funny because I recall there being discussion, you know, after the whole Red Sox thing with the Apple Watch, there, there being discussion about, hey, why don't there just be, why don't you just give the catchers and pitchers Apple Watches and they can communicate the pitches that way. And as yeah. much as the purist in me would hate that, uh, I mean, it would solve that problem, I guess. And maybe that's what maybe that's one thing that baseball has to look at is 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 doing something like that. And, and it's sad, but you know, to to answer your question, just to to throw in my own two thoughts there too, Ari, is that I used to be a high school teacher once upon a time. And if there's one thing I've learned about humanity is that we're weak. And uh, <laughs> you, you know, to to mix point, if uh, if the opportunity is there to cheat, and somebody will take it. And and I. You know, there will maybe not everybody will, but they, in a crowd of 30 uh, odd people, there is going to be somebody or several people that will take the opportunity. And I remember talking to a professional athlete that I won't name um, that talked about how many guys were taking steroids or some sort of performance enhancing and drug. And I said, you know, why do guys do that in this day and age? You know, with all the risks associated with your career, if you get derailed, he said, because the game, of, you know, the reward outweighs the risk. If I get a big contract, if I get this, that, the other thing, even get caught later on, I've still got ten million in the bank or twenty million in the bank, or yeah. you know, in, in baseball today, it might could be three hundred and twenty-four million in the bank. You know, yeah. you, you don't know anymore. But until that, until the, I guess it goes back to our original point: is that until the risk is greater than the reward, then people will continue to cheat. Well, well and, said. Yeah, and, and you know, I see it in on a professional level. I'm a I'm a lawyer, and I do litigation, a lot of personal injury work. I see people uh, exaggerate or misrepresent the truth for money all the time, and for a lot smaller sums. And yeah. it, it you know, it's just it's uh, depending where people come from and, and what's at stake. You know, people will do what's in their self interest, and then it's just a matter of they have to see what the what the stick is on the other side of the consequence of being caught out in in some sort of misrepresentation. And, you know, and that goes back to how the league wants to respond to the players or they're, what fight they're willing to pick with the union uh, to deal with you know, people who get caught, right? And, and it's, a, it's a difficult process, but it, it's, I think, one they have to cure if they want to have people actually believe in the integrity of the game. And that's why we go back to our earlier comment that I don't know if there's a punishment that will be strong enough 
to discourage this kind of behavior in the future. Well, then, would you would you say that Rob Manfred should step down? I mean, he is he is the well, caretaker of their sport of the league. Isn't this a failure, Tony, in his leadership to not recognize the extent or scope of just how damaging this has been? Again, 2017 was three years ago. This didn't yeah. happen last season. We essentially not only sat through the shenanigans of that season with the Astros, but apparently the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays. Could you make the case that if we just let everyone cheat, they'll eventually <laughs> even themselves out? Because, I mean, after all, the Astros didn't win it three years in a row. What happened the other two years? How do you cheat and still lose that badly? That's the question. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the no, Olympic uh, it's the old Olympic and steroids question, right? Should just let everybody be on steroids and not worry about it or not? Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I guess my beef would be that there's a lot of rumors out there that apparently people within Major League Baseball knew about this for more than a year or two. So if that's the case, then yes, Mr. Manfred and his cronies have a lot more questions to answer. If Major League Baseball suspected this long ago, and it sure sounds like they did, then that to me is another issue that's got to be, you know, put to bed somewhere down the road. No, and I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely well said. I, I, I've read many of the same things, and I, I think they did know about it before this. It's just that, unfortunately, Mike Fires basically brought it to the point where it exactly. went, well, sh well, shit, we actually have to deal with this now, because yeah. he, yeah. he threw it right in our laps. Like, damn, okay, well, now what are we going to do? And, and that's not a good look for Manfred in his office at all. And I, you're right. There's going to be some questions to answer. And, and maybe, I, you know, I hadn't even really considered that, that that was possible. But if, you know, Carlos Beltran is losing his, uh, losing his job before he manages his first game, then I guess there's lots of things on the table. Well, and you wonder, like, what responsibilities leagues have. I mean, even in the NHL with, you know, some of the recent uh, problems with some of the head coaches that have lost their jobs for, you know, whether it's Bill Peters or Mike Babcock and the stories that come out. You know, you always wonder, well, you know, are these stories really unknown and should the league have done something earlier? And what's the responsibility to try to legislate good behavior, right? And, and they, they want to do just enough to make it look like they're being proactive, but not enough to actually have to do anything significant, at least how I read it. And they just respond to the scandal when something breaks, right? They're not, they're not out there necessarily trying to get the, the, the best form of people or, or the... And it's not to say that I, I have inside knowledge about Mike Babcock or Bill Peters. I just know what, what's been said in the stories. Um, but that those don't seem to generate a response until there's bad press. And, and that's, I think, for the leagues, they always struggle with this reacting versus being proactive. And they don't find a way to get mm -hmm. a policy in place that's applied consistently or, you know, is overly sensitive to other people's careers. Right? Um, so, you know, I don't think it's, it's isolated to baseball. I think a lot of these leagues... And, and then maybe trying to fleece billionaires is difficult as well to try to get them to make business decisions that, you know, make them less competitive and have some other more altruistic social uh, conscience. It's, that's not that's the way they're doing point. business, right? And I'm glad you brought up Mike Babcock because the only insider information you need to know about him was that he was the wrong coach for the team. Simple as that. That's the thing about our eyes. If we use I, them, empiricism goes a long way. Yeah, you were. You were. It was a tap-in goal. Believe me, I didn't have to work hard for that one. But uh, I suppose my only fear, and that is a great analogy, because could we make the case that for all of the negative things that get said about social media and how it gets demonized for what it can do that's negative can we at least agree 
Chris, that the positive side of social media is that we get to learn about these things, the scuttlebutt of it all in ways that we normally would not have been able to. I mean, if this were 20, 30 years ago, we wouldn't have access to all the video proof. We wouldn't have access to all the immediate responses from players, you know, celebrities, mm -hmm. uh, athletes, uh, news, news folk. It doesn't matter. Do you see at least that being something that's beneficial or is it something that could further cloud the matter? Because now we have people coming out and accusing Mike Trout of being given a human growth hormone exception for his thyroid, thus throwing into question whether he is in fact worthy of his incredible statistical output. Where do we draw the line on that? And that's just it. I mean, there's there's good and bad that comes with social media. There is a lot of it's a lot of fun to dig through this stuff and, and sometimes going down these rabbit hole conspiracy these conspiracy theory rabbit holes can be a lot of fun. But you're right, there can be a lot of danger that, that comes with that too, because then you know, one thing that I always said to uh, when I was teaching, I don't know why I'm talking about my former life as a teacher here, but when I, I used to tell students that the danger of social media is that everyone now has a voice and for the generations that came before us, you know, they're in theory, they were responsible reporters and they were responsible people on the radio that were informing everybody. And now any, any old idiot can get on social media and, and post stuff and, and doctor photos and, and do whatever they want. So uh, um, there's definitely great benefits, but, uh, but there's certainly downfalls too. And the older I get, the more grouchy I become about it. <laughs> well, and you could dogpile. I guess that's the problem. You see these scandals and, I'm still trying to figure out who that QT person is with like that was talking about the uh, the buzzer for Altuve. But you know, you they when something goes wrong, everyone jumps on it and there's a tendency that you could overreact or sometimes when it all starts coming out then truth bleeds out slowly but surely through a variety of sources. So I guess that's the it's like a razor's edge of trying to figure out where's the utility in it and where's the truth. Well, and that's a great example because I mean yesterday it was Gary Jeffield Jr that was saying it was a player that was running that account and then you know, earlier on today, I saw Anthony Kay's brother, uh, Bobby. He's got an account, which is actually a great follow, but he posted some video that it was a young blonde gal that was had posted a video and was threatening to release all these pictures she allegedly had. And so who knows? I mean, I've, I've wasted hours of my life now following this story that I could, you know, it could be over nothing. And uh, so there's entertainment value of nothing else. <laughs> and of course, the, uh, the John Boy Twitter account, really was the first one to incorporate the the trash can banging and the video <laughs> and that really got the got the ball rolling didn't it you know oh, so absolutely. social media social media's played a factor has certainly played a role in all of this and you're right about players now like before players didn't have this voice where they didn't like something you'd never hear them now they have so many avenues to express their opinions and they're not being very shy on this matter via social media. Well, in the poor public relations departments for these teams oh, now, like not oh, only do you not only do you have oh, to you know get these guys to behave in the public eye, but now you have to worry about them having a phone in their hands 24 hours a day. And with all due respect, there are some brilliant, intelligent, professional athletes in this world, but there are some pretty thick-skulled individuals that are also playing professional sports. And, and you know, to think that there's a million or two million or ten million people following them. And they have the free will and the free opportunity to say whatever they want is got to be a nightmare. <laughs> well, it's, it's got to be tough, and let alone try to manage their main account or their burner accounts like Durant's various ones. Like it's hard to stay on top <laughs> yeah. of which voice are they using when and which hat are they wearing. You never know, right? So it's a uh, you know it, it, you it has to be impossible to manage, and you, but you do get juicy. Uh, you know you you can air your grievance, I guess, through anonymous sources, and then 
if it catches fire, it all comes down, which goes back to, I don't know why anyone thought they banging the garbage can wouldn't get caught eventually. Right? There's just too many personalities that are going to have that story out there and have that information and, and may have any reason just to go and say, let's out it and see what happens. Because well, you take that and prevent, the, perverse, perverse pleasure. Don't forget the violence. absurdity of such a sophisticated plan ending with mm -hmm. the, the, the final stage being a, the banging of a, of a trash bin. I mean, that in itself, I think, was almost done intentionally to, to add a sad, ironic twist to all this. Mm -hmm. It's really not that complicated a plan. <laughs> it was just something that happened to work. And as we all know, it got emulated. I'm sure other teams had flashing lights. Some teams had, you know, buzzers, whatever it is. But one thing's for certain. We all know that, you know, it's it's part of a bigger, bigger cover-up. I mean, if Major League Baseball, as you mentioned, Tony, knew about this in advance and tolerated it until such time that the bow broke with the social media uh, stories, then once again, it's a fundamental failure of leadership. And it makes leaders like, league leaders like Adam Silver... And Gary Bettman look like positively saint-like. They, they've managed to keep their leagues in order. Uh, successful, progressive, revenue-attaining, uh, socially conscious. Baseball's really missed the boat. I mean, l look at what it's become, especially from those of us old enough. And all four of us are old enough to remember the Blue Jays' glory years. My God, weren't those simpler times of enjoying <laughs> and tasting the fruits of baseball, huh? Yeah, well, it was the big controversy, the upside-down Canadian flag. Um... You yeah, know, it's, was, it's funny. That I, was controversy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I got I got to think I got to thinking about this today working in the media. I know how close baseball teams and their broadcasters are to each other. And I wonder how many of the Houston Astros media knew about this and didn't do a darn thing about it. And I'm referring mostly to the broadcast team. The team, you know, the I, I think it's Root Sports. They do 162 games. They're there with the team all year long, whether it's play-by-play, -play, the color guys, and they're usually former players. And they talk to the teams. They talk to the management. They talk to players. I'm wondering how many knew about this for how long, and yet they didn't say... If they did know, they didn't say a thing. It just... All these things are going through my head just thinking about all this yeah. now. Well, that's yeah. a great point. You figure like someone on the broadcast team's got to wonder who's banging yes. that, that goddamn <laughs> trash can. <laughs> Where's security? Someone should take that, kick that guy out, right? So. Exactly. And, and well, how deep does it go with security at the at the stadium? At, uh, at, at, the, oh. at the ballpark. Well, and how, you know, and as bad as the as, as bad as the trash can was, I think the charge whistle was even worse. Like I just kept thinking to myself, like. How did the other team not know? Or how did, like, you know, talking with a friend of mine who played some college ball and stuff, we were chatting earlier today, and he goes, you know, if I was on the mound and I figured that out like Danny Farquhar did, he goes, I'd have put the next ball between his ears. He goes, I can't yeah. believe that nobody, like, you know, that no one ever figured it out in the game with that stupid charge whistle or the bat and just, like, hit him, like, just threw it with their head. I mean, not that I would advocate for anybody throwing anyone's head, but. I mean, that, I, you certainly are going to get one in the ribs if you if the teams figure that out. And I'm surprised it didn't happen more. You're right. I, it's kind of baffling. And it's a broadcast team. If they weren't in the know, then they're really naive if they didn't figure it out from Thank listening you. to it. Willful <laughs> blindness. Yeah, yeah well, that's exactly, yeah. It's a shame, isn't it, though, that we'll look back. And when we see that battle between Chapman and Altuve, we now know that it will be 
it'll go down in history as a tarnished moment. Uh, Chapman's expression was priceless in that regard. His expression was exactly now what our expression happens to be, which is knowing that really he shouldn't have hit that home run off the best reliever in baseball. Robbie Alomar did that once upon a time off the best reliever in baseball, but we know he battled in that at bat. You see, that's a moment a fan gets inspired by for time immemorial. What we now know about Altuve, unfortunately, I fear will permanently stain the game in such a way that it'll take a very long time for for savvy fans and admirers of the sport like ourselves who are involved in the media and who followed the game for decades to to deal with and reconcile, I fear. So we will definitely, you know, continue discussing this in the future. I have no doubt. The question now, what happens tomorrow? And and I want to wrap up the round table with this question and we'll start with you, Tony, and we'll go around the horn. What would you do next? to try to bring things on side and at least find a way to get out of this quagmire for fans of the team. Wow. Oh, I think you have to, you have to, you know what? You may have to hire, if you're Rob Branford, and this was brought on earlier, an independent counsel or independent team of mm-hmm. investigators to explore this even further and, and to take a very, because I think you have lost the public's trust. And when that happens in a business and or sport, you're in trouble. And I, I'm starting to think that baseball may have lost the public trust on this matter more Absolutely. than they anticipated they would based on the punishments that Manfred and his team dished out. So I think you have to do some kind of independent, thorough investigation, and then from there, met out your, your punishment based on your findings. But, uh, Anything short of, of a ban, of, of a lifetime ban or a two- or three-year ban, I don't think will solve the issue because it's it's because for the money you can mm-hmm. make, if you're Altuve and Bregman and those others, it's worth the cheating to make the big money. And I mean, I'm with I'm with Tony on that. I mean, I think we got to bring in Rudy Giuliani. He'll get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I love, you know, it. You know, love he, it. He knows where the bodies are buried, and uh, you know he'll he'll figure it all out for us. And that's the only way to solve this. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. What about you, Chris? What What would you do? I know I know what the Blue Jays mean to you. I know what Major League Baseball, the tradition of the American League, means to you growing up. What would you do next? Well, you know, I, I agree with what Tony said, but you know, I think the one problem, and I'm just going to throw a wrench into your question here, but but from what I've read, I, my other thing that I think is a problem here with being able to discipline players is it sounds like they granted some immunity uh, for players telling what happened, and I don't know how extensive that was. I don't know if that was to everybody, but if that's the case, let's say that they actually granted Altuve and Bregman immunity to tell their story and, and whatever. And now they're in a, in a position where with the MO, with the Players Association, they can't suspend them. In that case, I think Manfred or somebody in the office has to be accountable for all this and step down. And, and you know, and, and whether, you know, I never had considered this before this conversation, but uh, but if, if that's the kind of mistake they made on this level where they, they granted immunity before they got to the bottom of what happened, um, then somebody has to be accountable. And if the league office isn't going to ban or give a two or three year suspension to a, a star player like Altuve or Bregman, then somebody in the league office has to eat it because otherwise as a fan, I'm, I'm going to sit back and go, okay, cool. Well, I guess we'll just see the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series next year. We'll book it now. Well said, well said. And as you mentioned off the top of the show, Tony, it's hard 
to feel excited for a new baseball season when only a third of the league actually plans on competing. And now under the specter of all this scandal, this is where I think we'll see what real true leadership is all about. So Rob Manfred, Tony Clark, they've got their their work cut out for them and the eyes of millions of fans watching as well. We'll definitely continue talking about this throughout the week, gentlemen. I want to thank all three of you for taking the time to come on the show. You've been listening to Tony Ambrosio, Mix Lanowski, and Chris Henderson. I'm Ari Shapiro. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs>